the armor of God. We're in this series and we're talking about the armor. And one of the reasons we can spend one week on each piece is because we're not that familiar with armor. We don't understand uh, the Roman soldier's armor and what each piece does. Most of us, uh, with maybe a few exceptions, don't wear armor every day. Maybe the least familiar piece for us could possibly be the shield because we don't carry a shield in our everyday lives. Uh, And so when we think about shields, uh, what's the most maybe possibly well-known shield in our culture today? Well, I brought what I think it is with me, the Captain America shield, right? Um, Yeah, very very popular, especially in recent years, uh, the movies, you know, the Avengers movies, all of that. But Captain America, he is a wimpy guy who, after taking some sort of serum being injected, he became a superhuman superhero soldier, right? He himself is superhuman, a superhero, but his shield is made of this super material that's basically this metal that's indestructible, right? Uh, It can deflect nearly anything. He uses it for defense, but he also uses it for offense, doesn't he? He uses it as kind of a super frisbee. Don't worry, I'm not going to throw it, but (laughs) our students are ready. Um, They never know, but it's it's defense and offense, and it's this indestructible metal. It's pr- really pretty amazing. And wouldn't it be really cool if that were real? It would be, but unfortunately, it's not. Okay, there's no such thing as the Captain America indestructible shield. There, it'd be great if there were, but we don't have anything like this to protect us from day to day. And as you can see, even this one's plastic, it's not the real deal. We don't have a superhero, superhuman ability or a shield, but we do have a shield. And it is indestructible. It's indescribable. It's given to us by our Savior, and it's called the shield of faith. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at the shield of faith, what it represents, and how it is to be used on a daily basis to fight this spiritual war that we're in. As we continue our series, remember it's called Battle Gear, and we're talking about how to live strong in the midst of life struggles. Because, listen, day-to-day life can be a struggle. It can be a struggle to live for the Lord, to be faithful. And sometimes it's more of a struggle than others. And we need to understand how to approach life the way that God wants us to approach it, to fight spiritual war the way he wants us to fight. And we have talked about one of the first necessary steps in doing that is that we need to learn to view the world the way God sees the world, but also the way his word sees the world. We need to be able to look at the world the way God sees it because there's this supernatural spiritual conflict going on that we can't see in the physical realm, but has great impact on our lives physically, on our day-to-day lives as we attempt to live for the Lord. And so we need to learn to see the world the way God does. And if we look in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13, we've read it for several weeks now. We're going to read it again, just walking through these verses. Each week we're adding a piece of armor. Verse 10, be strengthened finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil, the schemes of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood. 
It is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces that are in the heavens or spiritual realm. This is why you need to take up, you must take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything, take your stand. As I mentioned, and these verses tell us, we're in the midst of this supernatural spiritual conflict. It's something we can't see, but the effects are seen every day. It impacts our lives. It impacts the people that we care about. The war is real. The enemy is real. But Jesus is victory. He's given us the victory through the empty tomb. And as we look at this war, we need to understand two things. First of all, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a believer, you're not called to join the war. You're already in the war. Uh, You're in it whether you're intentional about it or not, so it's best to be prepared. The second thing is, is you're not called, thankfully, we're not called to win the war because the war's already been won. Jesus has already achieved victory through his resurrection. So we're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. The victory's already been attained. And, And God has a basic battle plan for us. There are strategic, practical things that we can do, things we can use to fight in this war each and every day, and that's called the armor of God. Again, looking at each piece, we've looked at three pieces so far. We've looked at the belt of truth and how you have to know the truth in order to use the armor properly. To live the way that God, you have to be grounded in the truth, to live the way he wants you to live. We talked about the breastplate of righteousness, that Jesus made us right with God and that he's in the process of making us righteous more each day through that process of sanctification. We talked last week about the the shoes of the gospel of peace, that our feet need to be firmly planted in the gospel so that we we can stand firm and resist the attacks of Satan. Today, we're gonna, we're told by Paul to take the shield of faith. Take, that's important. We take it up as an intentional choice. We take the shield of faith. And we're going to look at what the shield represents and how we're to use it each day as we fight spiritual battles in this war that we are in. Uh, This war is real. Satan is real. But again, Jesus' victory. And Paul is taking the pieces of the Roman soldier. Remember, he's under house arrest. He knows each piece, what it's used for, and he's taking these pieces to, to, and using them to explain how we fight in spiritual war. And he's going to do that with the shield of faith. Let's look at what it represents. First of all, the shield represents faith and protection. It's to be used For a lot of things, but the obvious, I think, the thing that we think of when we think of a shield is that it's used to protect against uh, attacks, against arrows, that sort of thing. And we look at verse 16 and we have our instruction from Paul. In every situation, take the shield of faith and with it you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, the shield, you know, I... Captain America's shield's so big. When I think of a shield, I think of you know, a relatively small one. But Roman soldiers, that word shield, it actually means door. Because that's how big their shields were. They were two and a half feet wide, four feet tall. They were huge. And if you look at historical writings of the day, the enemies of the Roman soldiers described them as men who carried doors. Because they carried these huge shields that they could hide, literally crouch down behind and be completely covered from anything that was thrown in their direction. Not only that, 
the Roman soldiers would take their shields and they would lock them together to form a wall that the entire army could crouch down behind and be protected from any arrows, any javelins, any spears, anything that was thrown in their direction. I mean, these things were huge and they were important for battle. They were necessary for battle. They were used for defense, things coming at them. But they were also used for offense. They could, you imagine, you know, these big strong guys using these doors, you could, you could knock somebody out with that thing. You could push your way through a barricade. You could use it for hitting and pushing and shoving. It was defense, but it was also used to advance. It was used for offense. So why does the Christian need to take up his shield? Well, look back at verse 13 of Ephesians 6. Look at that verse again. This is why you need to take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. Underline that, in the evil day. And having prepared everything, take your stand. You know, there's evil in the world. There is an evil one, and he's Satan. So when is the evil day for you? Well, it's whenever you're under attack. It's whenever your world is falling apart. Your finances are so low, you don't know how you're going to make it through the end of the week or the month. You've lost your job. There's no job in sight. You don't know what you're going to do. Your marriage is falling apart and you don't know how to put it back together. You've, your kids have turned on you. Your marriage is a wreck. Your family's a wreck. Your friends turned his back on you. You're struggling with some huge addiction, some stronghold in your life. Emotionally, you're so drained and you're, 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 you're at a breaking point to where you don't know how you're going to move forward and your passion for life is gone. Or any, any number of things that you are hit with on a day-to-day -day basis. Any attack that you're experiencing in the world today, in your daily life, that's the evil day because that's Satan trying to throw you off of or knock you off of God's path for your life. He's trying to discourage you. He, again, remember, if you're a child of his, you, he can't have your soul, but he can cause you to be discouraged. He can, he can cause you to get distracted to where you're not engaged in battle. You're not, you're not growing in your faith. You're not accomplishing God's purpose for your life. So anytime you're under attack, you're struggling and, and life is tough and life is difficult, that is the evil day. That's when Satan's hurling those arrows in your direction. Direction. And you need the shield of faith to be protected. You need God's shield to protect you. And, and the reason we need protection in those moments is because it's in those moments that we're the most vulnerable to Satan's attacks. Our guard is down. We're weakened by the daily struggle. So we need the shield of faith to protect us. Next, let's look at the shield of faith and how it represents faith and truth. The shield of faith represents faith and truth. Faith is anchored in the truth. Faith is, is critical to experiencing victory in the battles of day-to-day -day life, the spiritual battle that we face every day. Hebrews 12, 2 tells us that Jesus is both the author and the perfecter of our faith. Galatians 2, 20 tells us, Paul says, I, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then in 1 John 5, 4, we read, because whatever has been born of God conquers the world. 
This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. This teaches us three principles, three very important principles, truths that we find here. First, Jesus embodies all the ingredients of faith from its beginning to its completion, its perfection. Second, we learn that we who are saved by trusting in Jesus Christ and our Lord and, as our Lord and Savior, we have victory in Christ. Again, we're fighting from victory, not for victory. The victory's already been won. We have victory. And last, the key to victory, to overcoming the strongholds in our lives, the struggles, the attacks, the addictions, the weaknesses, the key is more faith. We need to pray, God, increase my faith. And we need to do what's necessary to strengthen our faith. So what is faith? Well, this is a simple definition, but I love it. Faith is acting as if God's telling the truth. Not that he may not be. It's living in a way that shows I really believe God's telling the truth. Because You know, there's a difference between believing in God and believing God. You know there's a difference, right? There are a lot of people who believe in God, and they'll tell you all day long they believe in God, but their lives don't show it. Because if I really believe God, I'm going to act on what he says in his word. My life is going to reflect what I say I believe, or my feet will be putting my faith into action. Not just believing in God. A lot of people, Satan believes in God, but I believe he is who he says he is. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. And so I'm going, Lord, I'm going to live my life in response to that. I'm going to live my life according to what you tell me in your word. God, I have complete confidence. My devotion in you is complete. You're my savior. Heaven's my home. You're going to protect me. So I'm going to live my life the way you tell me to. And I'm going to live uh, based... My life is going to be based on what I believe. This brings us back to truth again. There's a reason truth is the first piece of armor. Because all of these things, it's based on the truth. And many of the pieces interconnect with truth at some point. In order to have faith, you have to know and respond to the truth. You have to know the truth. Here's the thing. Faith is only as valuable as the thing to which it's tied. And I have a lot of faith in the wrong thing and it'd be no value, of no value to me. It's only as valuable as the thing to which it's tied. That's why it has to be tied to the truth. This objective standard of truth that is true no matter what I say, no matter what anybody else says. I'm going to live by it. I'm going to put my faith in it. I'm going to trust in God that he is who he says he is. His word is true. And I'm going to, be, I'm going to, to, to live by it. Because here's what happens. If my faith is tied to the truth of God's word, what happens is even just a small amount of faith can move mountains, we're told, in God's word. Jesus himself tells us that faith can move mountains. Faith is never based on how you feel. Faith is based on the truth, the objective standard, and and it's based on feet, feet, what I do in response to what I say I believe. Regardless of what I see, regardless of what I feel, whether I like the truth or not, whether whether it makes me happy or sad, even if I don't agree with the truth, it is truth, so I'm going to adjust my life to it, and I'm going to live by what it says. That is faith, faith put into action. Simply put, faith is the function of the mind that shows up in the feet. It is belief in what God says, and it shows up in the way that I live. 
It's only as valuable, though, to what it's tied, as the thing to which it's tied. Is what it's tied to the truth, or is it something that I feel? Is it my emotion? Is it something that changes? Is it something that's here today, gone tomorrow? It has to be tied to the truth. Faith can move mountains. You know, when we allow our faith to be defined by our feelings, then we're going to be on shaky ground. We're going to be confused. Faith has to have an objective standard that it's tied to. When faith operates by that objective standard of truth, here's what happens. Not only can you move mountains, but that faith, that truth, begins to dictate your emotions and your thoughts and your decisions, not the other way around. We're not tossed around by emotions, by thoughts, by circumstances. We are directed and we're moved by the truth. Taking the shield of faith, there has to be an exercise of faith. And that brings us to our next point. If I'm going to trust God, then I've got to show that. I've got to exercise that faith. The third thing that faith shows us is the shield is faith and living. It represents faith and living. Now, before we move any forward, we need to understand an important point. Faith does not make God move. All faith does is access what God has already done. My faith doesn't direct God, okay? It doesn't cause God to change his mind. Faith is the point of access. It's not the source of power. It's by faith that we have access to God. We're saved by faith through his grace. And so it's the point of access. It's not the source of power. The power is in what God has already done through Jesus Christ on the cross. That is the source of power. Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. We've seen that faith is only as valuable as the thing to which it's tied. We also need to understand that faith is only as valuable as the object of that faith. Again, I can have a lot of faith in the wrong thing. A lot of faith, it doesn't matter what, how much. If it's tied to the wrong thing, then it's not going to do me any good. If the object of my faith is anything other than Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, then my faith is going to be useless. It's only as valuable as the object of that faith. And again, even a little amount of faith can move mountains. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 17. Because of your little faith, he told them, For I assure you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. You know, a lot of times we think that we have to do good works to access God's grace. That we have to be good enough, we have to do good enough, and then God will show favor on us. That he will will, uh, show us grace. Now certainly, you know, God is pleased when we do good works, but but if, if works are how we access grace, then it ceases to be grace. It's not grace anymore. It's something that we earn. In Romans 11, 6, Paul reminds us, now if by grace, then it's not by works. Otherwise, grace ceases to be grace. Now, Just because we don't earn grace doesn't mean that we shouldn't live out our faith. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. All of these people, God was pleased in what they did, and they are recorded for their faith and and specifically how they showed their faith through their actions. You go down the list, Abel, by faith, he offered. By faith, Noah prepared. By faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, Isaac blessed. By faith, 
Rahab welcomed all of them. They had faith and they are recorded as exhibiting that faith in some way. They exercised their faith. Each one of them, they reached down, they picked up the shield of faith and they put it into practice instead of leaving it sitting up against the wall. You imagine a Roman soldier going into battle and he leaves his shield behind. He's not going to be able to defend himself. He's not going to have that huge door to crouch behind. He's not going to be able to use it for offense when he needs to. The same is true for us. If we don't take up the shield of faith every day, if we don't live out our faith, exercise our faith, we're going into battle unprepared. We're not equipped properly. Habakkuk 2.4 tells us that the righteous live by faith. To live by faith means that that faith, the truth that it's based on, the faith that we have becomes our regular way of thinking. It's our everyday life. It directs everything that we do. Faith is more than just acknowledging that the shield is there and that it's an effective form of protection. You know, we can believe that and acknowledge that it is, but it's more than that. Again, if I leave it behind, it does me no good. Faith means grabbing it and using it to its fullest potential. It's exercising our our faith. It's daily submitting to the Lord, surrendering to Christ. That God, you do know what you're talking about. And I don't understand your ways, all of what you're doing, but I trust you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to, I'm going to say I believe it, but not just say it. I'm going to live it. It's going to, I'm going to allow your truth to direct, to dictate what I do, what I don't do. I'm going to be grounded in my gospel shoes, and I'm going to live for you, and I'm going to advance. I'm going to stand firm, but I'm also going to advance based on what you've provided, with what you've provided. So there is, there, we, we take and we ask God to strengthen our faith, but then we, we need to ask God to increase our faith, and then we need to feed our faith, right? And the way that we do that is by studying the Word of God. We memorize it, and we memorize verses that speak to our areas of struggle. We memorize more than that, but especially those areas that speak to our hearts, and then we use those to battle. We use those as our sword, which we'll talk about later. And so we feed our faith through the Word of God. So individually, we're asking God, increase my faith, strengthen my faith. I'm going to feed my faith through daily spiritual habits. But also don't remember, those soldiers, they would lock their shields together, right? And by doing that, that they would create this huge wall that they could all hide behind. One of the ways that I increase and strengthen my faith is by doing what we're doing right here. I need to gather together with other believers. We lock our shields together and together, just as those Roman soldiers, they were unstoppable when they would lock their shields together. And if we stay united and we stay locked together with our shields of faith, we will be unstoppable in accomplishing God's purpose and mission for this church. We have to meet together. We have to be united in our faith, taking up the shield of faith. Faith shows up in the way that you walk, in the way that you live, the way that you talk, your attitude, your actions, the way you go about your daily lives at work, school, home, everything. If I have faith, it affects everything. Living by faith means that it just becomes your groove. It's your natural way of life. It's your default that you live, that's what you go to, is what God's Word says is true and what you believe about the Lord. It's what Paul's referring to when he, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, he says, walk by faith. Faith is not a feeling or a discussion. It's an action that's based on the authority of somebody who knows what he's talking about. It's, I believe you, and so I'm going to adjust to that truth. And no one knows what he's talking about more than our Lord and Savior. 
And so it's, I believe you, God, so I'm adjusting my life to that. Whether I understand it, whether I even agree with it or not, whether it makes sense to me, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to adjust my life to what you say is right. And I'm going to live by it. I can have all of the faith in the world. Remember, it has to be somebody who actually knows what he's talking about, right? And it has to be tied to the right thing. The object of my faith has to be the right person has to be tied to the truth and to the Lord. I can have faith all day long that this music stand's going to fly. But unless God, who wrote the laws of physics and has the power to overcome them, unless he causes this music stand to fly, what's it going to do? It's going to sit right here all day long. Now, I have all the faith in the world that that's going to happen, but it's not directed in the right place. The object of my faith is silliness. It's not tied to the truth. I have to have my faith. Faith is only as good as to the thing, as the thing to which it's tied and the object in which it's placed. My faith has to be tied to the truth and to the Lord Jesus Christ. An authentic, genuine expression of faith is based on who he is and what he says. Not my five senses, not, not you know, true, true faith. Taking up the shield of faith and, and on, on its core level, we are accessing what we can't see. What God says, whether we can see it, touch it, or not, we access what's available in the spiritual realm and we bring it to battle in the physical realm. It's accessing what we know, the promises of God, the securities. It's stepping out when we don't know where our feet are going to land, trusting God from day to day and allowing him to work through us to give us the strength and equip us for battle. The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the confidence of what we hope for will actually, the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It's not hoping in the sense of, gee, I hope so. It is, it's actually going to happen. It gives us assurance about the things that we cannot see. There's so much in the spiritual realm that's going on and in our futures that we don't know, we can't see, but we can have confidence in the present because of what God has promised and who he is as being the faithful one. And so it's trusting in him, having confidence of what we can't see, assurance about things we can't see, knowing what, that what he says is going to happen will happen. You know, every, everybody can believe in something you can see, can't you? It's easy I mean, to believe in something you can see, but it takes faith to believe in something you can't see. We have to trust in our Lord and Savior. We have to trust in his promises, even though we can't see exactly how he's going to accomplish what he says he's going to accomplish. Exercising, what Paul's talking about here is exercising our faith. And that's faith for living. Next, we see that the shield represents faith and victory. Faith and victory. We have victory in Christ, so we need to live in victory. Look at verse 16 again. Take the shield of faith, and with it you will be able to extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. No army in the ancient world could consistently defeat the Roman army. I mean, they were the superpower of the day. They were so massive. Their forces were just innumerable. And so one tactic that some armies, some enemies of Rome adopted is that they would shoot thousands of arrows at the enemy, at the Roman soldiers. They would take arrows and they would dip them in tar and set them on fire. So I'm going to do that this morning. I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> that would be the day I took visuals too far. All right. 
But no, they would take arrows, seriously, they, they, they would dip them in tar, they would set them on fire, and they would launch them thousands, hundreds, thousands at a time at the Roman soldiers. And the Roman soldiers would have to protect themselves. Here's the thing, these weren't meant to kill. It was that the Roman, the army was so massive that they, they did this in hopes of breaking their formation. Of, of causing them to break their formation, of creating chaos. Even the arrows, the reason they would set them on fire is because even the arrows that would miss, it would set the ground on fire around them and cause chaos. It would cause problems. So maybe somehow they would create a weak point where they could attack. So here's one of the methods that Roman soldiers would use. They would, they would, they would use this formation called testudo, which was, it actually means tortoise. They would take the front row, would take their shields and form that wall, like I talked about, lock them together. And then the back row would create a roof over them and they would all crouch down in this, this little shell that they had created and they would march slowly across the battlefield protected from all of these arrows. That's why it was called the tortoise. That's what it looked like. You imagine these huge doors and, and rows of shields uh, protecting them. And the, the Roman soldier would take before battle, because of these flaming arrows, before battle, he would take that huge shield and he would wrap it in leather or some sort of animal skin and he would dip it, he would soak it in water so that the, that the water in the skin would extinguish the arrows. And that's how they protected themselves. And so you've got this massive force moving together, protecting all of those soldiers inside that force. But remember, the, the idea here was... That the enemy, they knew they couldn't defeat them head to head, so they would try to break up their formation. They wanted to disrupt. They wanted to cause weakness. And spiritually speaking, that is what Satan wants to do to you and me. He can't have our souls. Victory's already been won, but what he can do is he can cause us to break our formation. Those fiery darts can discourage us. They can disrupt our lives. He's going to hit us where it hurts. And one of the primary targets that Satan has is our thought life. He's going to attack your thoughts because our thoughts control our actions. All actions begin with a thought, don't they? And so Satan's going to attack your thought life. He's going to shoot those arrows at your thoughts. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11.3. I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds will be seduced from a complete and pure devotion to Christ. The original sin, Satan attacked Eve's thoughts. And the same tactic, he hasn't changed his strategy. He uses that same tactic against us. He's going to attack our thoughts. Have you ever been sitting there, maybe in church, maybe somewhere else, and all of a sudden this thought pops into your head and you think, man, that's awful. Where in the world did that come from? Well, it didn't come from God. That's Satan shooting an arrow right into your brain. And he does it every day. I, I, the, the, this, the, the thought maybe, well, what if God's not real? Maybe Jesus isn't real. Or what if something horrible happens to my spouse or my kids and worry takes over? Or maybe, maybe if I had that car that I've been looking at, or maybe this house that we've been dreaming about, or maybe more money in the bank, maybe I would be happy. Maybe I'd finally be content and I'd begin to dwell on those things. The translation of that is that Jesus isn't enough, that he can't provide for my needs, he can't take care of me. Day after day, we, we battle these things, and Satan's going to keep shooting those fiery arrows because if he can get us to dwell on those things, we'll break our formation. We won't be as strong. We won't be focused on the Lord. So question is, what is the weakest area of your life? 
I ask myself the same question. What is it that you struggle with in your thoughts the most? Is it a temptation? Is it lust? Is it worry? Is it anger? Where where does Satan attack you the most? Because that is where you need the shield of faith to protect you. In 1 John 5, 4, we're told about the effectiveness of this faith. Because whatever has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that's conquered the world, our faith. You know, the truth is, for followers of Christ, our shield, faith is the shield that makes the attacks of the enemy ineffective. We have to trust in the Lord and, and, and in the victory. We have to stand in the victory that he's already accomplished. Faith is so powerful. And the passage we just read in 1 John, it, it tells us it's the secret to victory in whatever we're facing in the world. It's the key to victory. This secret has everything to do with the cross because victory was achieved in what Christ did on the cross. His death, his burial, his resurrection, your sin, every sin you've ever committed, and the consequences, they were all past, present, and future nailed to the cross when Jesus was nailed there. And his blood covers those sins. So when Satan's arrows hit our thoughts, we've got two choices. We can extinguish them in faith or we can entertain them in our flesh. Those are the choices because those thoughts are going to come and they're going to hit you and you're going to be tempted to, to, to do whatever you're thinking or dwell on whatever it is, to worry or to be angry or to be bitter. The thought though, is the arrow. It's not the sin. It's when I take that thought and I dwell on it and I chew on it and then I act on it, that's when it becomes a sin. And that's what Satan wants. The the arrows are going to come. The thoughts are going to pop into your head. And in that moment, I've got to extinguish it by faith. Lord, forgive me and give me strength. I'm going to feed that that my mind and my heart with your word and, and with verses that speak directly to that thought that I'm struggling with. I've got to extinguish it at that moment. Because if I don't, it's going to grow into an action that is sin. That's when it becomes sin. Satan's goal is the same as the enemies of the Roman soldiers. Remember, they couldn't defeat them head on. And he knows he can't defeat us, so they wanted to break the formation. What Satan wants to do is he wants to break you up and distract you. He wants to break up the formation in this church so that we won't walk in step in unity with one another. He's very effective and is doing that in a lot of churches and a lot of places in in our country, in our association. He wants to break us up as a church family so we won't accomplish what God's got planned for us. He wants to break up your marriage, the tight formation in your marriage. He wants to break up your family so that you won't raise your kids and teach them about the Lord Jesus Christ and raise them in church where they'll get fed through other people who love the Lord. He wants to break up your personal life so that you won't advance the gospel, so that you'll be so stuck in whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're struggling with, you will in no way, shape, form, or fashion be advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He can't have you, but he can break up your life if you let him. If you don't take up the shield of faith and protect yourself and use it for the glory of God. Some of those arrows would miss, but they would create fire around. Remember that. Because Satan, he's going to attack you, but he's also going to create fires all around you. Could we say that maybe there's some fires raging in our culture today? What do you think the reason for that is? He knows that if he can start those fires, those little sparks grow into a flame, those flames go into a raging furnace that consume us. 
And we can get distracted by those things. And listen, we should speak the truth to the culture. We should tackle those big issues that, that, that are opposite of, of what we know in God's word. We should stand firm in our faith, all of those things. But we have to stay focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to stay focused on the mission that he's given us because we can easily get consumed by the fires raging all around us. Some of those things we need to dip into. Some of them we just need to, to, to let be and focus on what God's called us to do. We can get distracted in a lot of side issues that really have no bearing on what we're called to do as a church and as believers, followers of Christ. We have to focus on the mission and not get distracted. Greg Laurie said this. He said, sin starts with a small thing, then it becomes a big thing, then it becomes everything. You know, again, Satan wants to start that spark in your life to distract you, but also in your heart, hoping that it'll grow. Because he knows if he can do that, it'll grow into a flame, then it'll grow into a raging fire. Again, the thought, that thought, if he can just get you dwelling on that thing. Because here's the thing, adultery doesn't start with hopping into bed with somebody. It starts with standing before you go to work, staring at the mirror, thinking about that person at your office. It's that thought that if left unchecked, grows into an action that grows into a raging fire in your life that consume you, consumes you, it becomes a stronghold that you don't know how to get out of. It all begins with that, that arrow, that thought. The enemy is never going to stop raining fire arrows down on us. That's just a part of life. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said. And one of those things is that Satan's going to keep shooting those arrows at us. That's why we need to make a turtle. <laughs> we need to... To, to come together as God's people and form that shell that we can hide behind and be protected. Because the truth is, believers, we not only have a saving faith, we have a sustaining faith. That, that, that word, faith, in verse 16, that's not talking about saving faith. Remember, Paul's talking to believers. This is a sustaining faith, a faith that sustains us from day to day. Jesus was able to overcome all the sins of mankind and provide salvation for all who would trust in him. If he can do that, he can overcome whatever battle you're dealing with, whatever struggle, whatever attack you are under today. He's got the power to overcome it. The shield of faith is not your strength or the amount of ability that you have. The shield of faith is about the strength of Jesus Christ and the victory that he's provided. In Romans 8, 38, Paul tells us this. He says, For I am persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height nor depth, nor any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Satan and his demon, they're, the demons, they're going to keep shooting those arrows at you. But what that verse tells us, those verses tell us that, that no attack, no matter how bad it is, nothing in this world can separate you from God's love. That if you are his child, you are grounded and secure in the love of Jesus Christ and the salvation that he's provided. Now again, imagine a soldier going into battle and he... Not, not only, maybe he leaves his shield behind, but maybe he goes into battle and he stands in front of it and stand, instead of behind it. And you, that's just foolish, right? I mean, in order to, to, for the shield to work, he's got to have it in front of him. He's got to use it properly. Because if he doesn't use it properly, it's, it's not going to work. And you and I, we can have all the faith in the world. 
We can say we believe, we can profess our faith in Christ, but if we don't take up the shield, live our faith every single day, increase our faith, grow in our faith, feed our faith with the Word of God, then it's just as the same as leaving our shield at home or, or standing in front of it instead of using it properly. So let me give you shield usage 101, okay? Here you go. Shield usage 101. Get behind and stay behind the shield. Common sense, but how many of us go into life without our shield every day? We're not living our faith. Number two, if we are faithless, we are shieldless. That that can be someone who doesn't know Jesus. If you don't have faith in Christ and you have no shield, but that can also be those of us who proclaim Christ but don't live our faith. If we're not living our faith, then we're shieldless. We're vulnerable to the enemy's attacks. The shield does two things, defense and offense. It absorbs the blows, all those attacks from Satan, but it also, if used properly, can be used to advance the gospel, to move forward in accomplishing the mission he's given us. So many Christians are going into battle every day without their shield and they're getting burned. This is a war. You're in the fight of your life. I'm in the fight of my life, fighting for my family, fighting for the mission, fighting for the church, my life, the lives of those who don't know Jesus. This is a battle. And and look at verse 16 again. Take the shield of faith and with it you will be able. What, What he's saying, God's saying through Paul is I'm giving you, I'm promising you victory. If you do this, you will have victory from day to day. You've already got victory in Christ from an eternal perspective. You'll have victory in the battles, the day-to-day battles. And then you'll be able to extinguish all of the flaming arrows. Not some, but all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. The Roman soldier, his shield covered him from head to toe. That testudo formation completely covered several soldiers barricaded inside, that wall connected together, completely covered. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the God of the universe, is strong enough, He's big enough to cover your life completely. To cover you and everything you struggle with. To protect you from all of those flaming arrows that Satan shoots your way. He's big enough, and not only is He big enough and able, He's willing to cover us. He is our Lord and Savior. He is our shield. And He will take care of us. You know, the Roman, the ancient Rome, they they were, again, they were the superpower in Bible times. I mean, they were the world power. And they would have all these these civil wars in the different areas that they had conquered. These massive, bloody civil wars that would take place. And there was one historian that wrote a contemporary of Paul that wrote a book called The Twelve Caesars, a historical book about uh, the Roman army and, and all, all of the, the, the conquering that they had done. And one of, in this book, one of the soldiers that he talked about was a guy by the name of Marcus Cassius Scava. He was a Roman centurion, and he was involved in one of the bloodiest civil wars uh, battles that... that took place in the Roman Empire, in the history of the Roman Empire. It was a a battle that took place in uh, modern-day Albania. And in this battle, this guy, Cassius Scava, he he was charged with guarding a door that was an entrance to a fortress. 
And during this long battle by himself, he stood guard. He was wounded in the shoulder. He was blinded in one eye. He was wounded in his thigh, but he never stepped back. He never left his post. When the battle was over with, other soldiers got his massive shield. They took it and determined, they counted, they determined that it was hit with 120 arrows. Yet he never stepped back. He never retreated. He stood his post. After the battle was over with, they took his shield to Caesar, told him what had happened. Caesar promoted him to a senior uh, centurion, and he was a hero in the Roman Empire. Well, as the battle, as they were preparing for battle, again, this, uh, th- this historian in this book, the 12 Caesars, as they were preparing for battle, it's, it's noted that, that Cassius Scava said this to the soldiers he was fighting with. He said, we are the chosen few whom the foe would break, but this day will not be theirs. He said that, rallied the troops, but I would say he believed that too, right? I mean, the fact that he stood his post every single day, 120 arrows, that's nothing compared to the arrows that are going to hit your brain and my brain every day, every week, as we live for the Lord. Struggles, worry, addiction, anger, lust, all of these different arrows coming our way. But what we're told is that the shield of faith is there to protect us, to provide for us. The God who created the universe, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died to free you from sin, who's big enough to cover all the sins of all mankind, past, present, and future, and all the consequences of that sin, He has saved you and set you free. He gives us the ability. We do not have to live defeated lives. All of those arrows, we don't have to step back. We don't have to retreat because we have victory in Christ. We have the shield of faith to protect us. Everything he says, everything he promises, we can live by faith and live in the victory that he's given us. We are a chosen few, you and I, as followers of Christ, whom the enemy, the foe, would break. But this day is not his, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We have victory in Jesus Christ, so now let's live victoriously in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the victory that you've secured for us, that you've given us. And it's not in our own strength. It's not that we are some superhuman, superheroes with supernatural strength to be able to have victory on our own. Lord, we have victory because you, Jesus, you are our hero. You are our shield. And you've given us protection. You've given us provision to fight from day to day. You've given us promises that we can stand firm, that we can bank our lives on. Lord, you've given us salvation, set us free from sin and and death. And you've given us all of this freely. Lord, and I I just pray that if there's somebody here today who doesn't know you, Lord, that they would accept that free gift of grace and begin this journey of becoming like you. That, That through salvation, they would experience the joy of being made right with you, having their eternity secure, but then experience the journey of sanctification, becoming like you. And Lord, during this time of commitment, I pray that if there's somebody here today who doesn't know you, that they would come and allow me to share with him how to make that decision. But for the rest of us, Lord, as we go through each piece of armor, Lord, 
the belt of truth. We know your word is true. We live by that truth. We trust in that. Not any truth, not truth that we define, but your absolute perfect standard that you've defined in your word. The breastplate of righteousness. We live in the righteousness that you've provided, that you've given us, Jesus, and we grow in our righteousness as you mold us and shape us into your image. And we stand firm in the gospel of truth. We stand firm in the salvation that you've provided. And now, Lord, help us to take up the shield of faith to not just say we believe the right things, the truth, but but to live it every day in your strength and to use it to defend against Satan's attacks. Not in our own strength, not in some Captain America superhuman way, but in your supernatural, indestructible, indescribable strength. Lord, there may be other decisions that you've called us to make. I pray that we would be faithful, that we would just do what you ask us to do in this moment, not just in this moment, but always, that we would be faithful as you are faithful. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand for our time of commitment?